Want access to richer content and exclusive analysis on the business of sport? Sports Pro Plus is used by experts across the industry to make informed decisions, with two membership tiers offering access to original content, exclusive reports, and a suite of business intelligence tools. Become a member today at sportspromedia.com forward slash subscribe and use the code FCPOD10. That's FCPOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football. Hello and welcome to the Football Co. Business Podcast, the show where I get to dig into the most interesting stories from the world of football. I'm your host, Alex Manby, and today my primary guest is James Ruth, Chief Marketing Officer at MLS Club Austin FC. I'll be talking to James about creating the Austin FC identity and brand, what it's like having Matthew McConaughey as co-owner, and to give him his official title, Minister of Culture, and how all this translates into the stance to create the Austin FC match day atmosphere. That atmosphere is, of course, driven by Austin FC's supporter culture, so to get a balanced perspective, we're also joined by Rico Hernandez, VP of Los Verdes, and Christine Hanley, VP of Austin Anthem. James, Rico, and Christine, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Great uh, pronunciation on uh, Verdes as well. It's, it's decent. Yes, really, it. really good. I've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to start hearing from each of you about what it is that makes Austin FC a unique sporting organization. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and then kick it to y'all. But I think the biggest thing is from day one, there's been a huge focus from the club and in conjunction with the supporters to try and make Austin FC the best possible representation of the city of Austin, right? We, we're so lucky to be in this place for anybody that's been here or hasn't been here, but maybe has heard about it because a uh, South by or ACL, this is a special place. It's a really, really cool city. It's a city with people that are unique, special, and unlike people you're going to meet anywhere else. And when we started the club and started to look at what is our opportunity, it really became this idea of, man, we can be a, be a representation of Austin, right, through the sport of football. Um, and w- from day one, we were hell-bent on that. And I think you know, I came in here in March of 2020. Rico and Christine have been in Austin much longer than I have. But it's funny because from day one, I remember the initial conversations between supporter groups and the club. That representation of Austin was the key goal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been a point of focus. And every decision we make on the club side, but also I think on the supporter side, is run through that lens of how do we best represent Austin as a city, right? a city that's got all this sort of cultural texture and and vibe and and just this unique identity. Right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, just to kind of piggyback what James was saying, I think like from like the Los Vetas side, it's just like the inclusivity aspect of it. It's just like bringing people together from so many different parts of the country. You know, Austin now is like a melting pot of people from all over the U.S. And it's just like you felt it from the beginning, from just like even building the stadium and yeah. we were going, going there and just like seeing every single cement being laid down to every seat being put down. It's like that excitement to like get people together in that stadium and just like we were already getting together yeah. before then. So I think it was just continuing to see that momentum build. So it was like magical moments happening each day. Um, yeah, uh, I agree with Rico. Uh, since day one, we've had this uh, great atmosphere and um, I love that it brings people together. Uh, no matter what, win or lose, uh, we celebrate after the game and uh, we're ready for the next one. 
I think it's worth stressing, in case any listeners aren't aware, just how young Austin FC is. James, is it worth giving a very brief history of how Austin FC came to be? Yeah, I mean, there's the brief version and then the extended deep cuts version, but we'll go uh, as brief as possible because there's there's a lot of history there. But ultimately, Anthony Precourt, the majority owner, had an opportunity to uh, create a team in Austin uh, and ultimately started that process, um, got sign-off from the city to ultimately move forward, which is now commemorated in a song by um, our supporters, uh, 7-4, which was the city council vote to make Austin FC uh, an actual thing, which I think is always one of the coolest things, like an encapsulation and such a good illustration of the fact that what's unique about Austin FC is that the want and the culture for the club actually in a lot of ways preceded what happened on the pitch. Like, I always talk about how Austin Anthem you guys celebrated what your seventh anniversary recently? What was it? 10? Oh, it's like, 10. 10. Um, okay. Yeah. So, you know, a supporters group existing 10 years before the, the club actually got on the pitch, highlighting that the community of Austin was a proper football community, you know, global football community ready for the club. But ultimately the, the team, um, the opportunity for it was voted on my city hall won the vote and pushed forward and ultimately got the charter from MLS um, to be a club in 2019. Um, I was lucky enough to come here in March of 2020, and then we were playing our first game in April of 21. So, you know, in in the global football context, we're, we're a really young club. But I think the thing that we're all most proud of is that we have a really substantial culture. You know, nothing about the stadium experience, nothing about our supporters culture, nothing about the club, at least from our perspective. And obviously we're biased, but nothing feels, it feels new, but it doesn't feel unfamiliar. And I think that all goes back to the fact that we've been hell bent on representing Austin and everything we do. So everybody that's an Austinite that walks into that stadium, there is a sense of comfort that they get there because they've seen this place before. And, you know, I, I hear examples of it all the time of people I remember our first match, our first home match of June of 21. And, you know, I was like taking things in, walking around the stadium, just kind of seeing people's reactions. And this woman in front of me just said, oh, my God, this like place feels like Austin so much. Just the stadium. Right. Um, which is a good encapsulation of or, or a good sort of result of all of the effort to be Austin centric and everything we do. Mm-hmm. Right. And. That comes down to the creative, the content, what food we serve in the stadium, the chance that supporters saying all of that sort of stuff is oriented around Austin. So it's put us in a position that even though we're a young club, we've, we're a club with depth. And that's something we talk about a lot is how do we make sure that the stuff we do is meaningful and purpose-driven so that it has depth. Was it seen as a risk? I mean, maybe I'm thinking very UK-centric here, and I know this happens more in the US than it does in the UK, but uprooting uh, you know a club and moving to a new place would um you know would be seen as a risk was the club pretty confident that there was a captive audience there i suppose the fact that as you say austin anthem had already been around for five years presumably canvassing pretty hard for this to happen yeah. must have been reassuring but was there was there a big study and to what extent was it about do we think there's a soccer audience waiting for us in austin yeah. versus What's the sporting landscape in Austin itself? Because it's peculiar, right? I think I'm 
correct in saying that Austin was the US's largest city that didn't have a professional sports organization until you guys came into town? Yeah, fair question. And I think important point is, you know, there wasn't a club that was moved to Austin. The ownership group came in and, and ultimately started Austin FC, right? But as it relates to the opportunity in this city, and you guys, you guys should speak to this because you've you've lived, you've been a mm-hmm. part of Austin um, even longer than I. But yeah, absolutely, there is an opportunity for a professional sports team in Austin. But I always go back to the fact that it's not really about sport. I mean, if you want to talk about size and breadth and impact in Austin, well, UT football and UT basketball and a lot of metrics is on the same tier as professional sports. I mean, UT. On a Saturday in the fall, they're putting, I mean, 90,000 people yeah. under their stadium. Yeah. It's a big freaking sports event. These are the Longhorns, right? Yes, the Longhorns, <laughs> the UT Longhorns. Um, so so that's big time. You know, and if you're t- thinking about share of voice and all of that sort of stuff, you know, before Austin FC, they were taking up a lot of air in the city. But ultimately, I think what the biggest opportunity was and what we tried to frame was not how do we become you know, the best sports team in Austin, but really more going back to that community and that culture aspect. How do we be the best representation of Austin? And that created a different prism than, hey, let's just go, you know, win a bunch of games and lift trophies and all that sort of stuff, which clearly the club wants to do. I mean, guys like Driussi are proof of that, that, that there's the ambition, but there's a larger opportunity to be a community sort of flashpoint and collective connective device for the city. And I don't know if you guys sure. agree or disagree, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you like, I think I don't even think it was a risk, right? I think we knew if it's like locals is based off like you like we have like one of the highest viewerships of like World Cup when you think about that yeah. as well. Like even going to like Premier Leagues, like wanting to host like their shows here whenever, you know, Liverpool and them like that are playing like in the finals. And so like having those like moments before Austin, we knew like we were hungry for it. Like yep. we follow teams in Mexico and South in Central America america right and so like we were thriving for have something to call our own and so like when it came we were like finally and we now are passionate about it and like even going full throttle i agree uh austin is full of so many transplants that you know have didn't go to ut or you know don't have a belonging to anything you know ut related and just having something you know from a fresh start and being able to be a part of it and just enjoy this wild ride i think it gives you something to grab onto and um just want to be a part of yeah so this is a very small sample size, um, but Rico and Christina, I'm interested to know, you know, nowadays the weekend comes around and, you know, you're going to the stadium and you're watching Austin FC. What were you doing five years ago? You know, were you going to see the Longhorns or were you, um, you know, watching soccer on TV? Yeah, no, definitely watching soccer on TV. I've never like, I always like watched Longhorns, but I never like went to the games. Cause never, I didn't identify with UT. Um, I didn't go there. I went to a different school. Um, but yeah, I was always like watching it on TV, Premier League, um, MLS, things like that. So when it, I was happy to have one here that I can actually see live. I haven't been in Austin um, for about about six, seven years now, I think, uh, maybe a little less. Um, but before it was just watching any type of sports on TV, um, huge women's soccer fan. Uh, so I'd be watching that. But I think it's when Austin, you know, was announced. That's when I became a huge MLS fan. Uh, before then, it was just... Uh, you know, casual watcher of the game. <laughs> and James, would the data bear that out? I mean, do you have any information on whether the Austin FC, you know, season ticket holders or match-going fans are also Longhorns fans? Is there overlap or are they actually two sort of fairly distinct audiences? 
I think they're very distinct audiences. I don't have, you know, a bunch of data to throw at you, but anecdotally, I can tell you, I mean, I think there's a huge audience of people that, you know, to Rico's point, didn't identify with UT. I mean, I always tell this story. I went, uh, I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is the home of the Huskers. And I'm sure your, your listener base doesn't know about college football history, but I grew up with the Longhorns, uh, kick my team's ass pretty consistently. And so I wasn't uh, in moving to Austin going to be pretty open to being a Longhorns fan. But I think that's an experience that a lot of people identify with because, you know, I think actually college football and and uh, football in the States, like global football, it's very similar because it's so tribal. You know, it's so community oriented. It's so it's so clan oriented that it, it it's it's hard for that crossover to happen. And you need to kind of you need to go to the school or you need to grow up with it or anything like that. So. I think there's a big distinction and it's funny, you know, I go to UT games every once in a while and I see a totally different part of Austin. And in some ways I don't see Austin, I see Texas. Um, and for anybody that knows Austin versus Texas, Austin is a very unique place within the state of Texas. Right. Mm -hmm. So to go to your question, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of overlap. There's some that definitely exists. Right. But we're really at the end of the day talking about two pretty significantly different fan bases. I was just going to say, I think it took about a third way through the first season uh, for us to actually have a game on the same uh, time that the Longhorns were playing. Yeah. And um, I know at the like supporter level, we were just thinking, you know, because we have a lot of people that do both. Um, and when it filled up real quickly, well, I don't think anyone was worried about it anymore. Yeah. There you go. Um, I'm interested about that Austin versus Texas point of view. And, and the context mm -hmm. that I'm particularly interested in is the visual identity of the club. I'm going to give you two very basic observations that I have about Austin FC. Okay, you ready? Number one, the shirt is green, and that's not a common color with football clubs. I think you know anywhere around the world, really. So that so that kind of um, you know sets it apart. And then number two, this is slightly more perceptive. I associate Texan sporting organizations with two things: horns and stars. And when I say stars, I really mean one star, right? Lone Star State. Austin FC doesn't have any horns on the, you know, on the logo um, or anywhere that I can see, and it, and it doesn't have any stars either. Was that a conscious decision when creating the visual yeah, identity? 100%. And it wasn't really necessarily about being anti-Texas. It was more about just focusing on Austin, right? But you, you, you hit the nail on the, the head of a really important thing that was at the genesis for us when we were starting the club. Like, this is about Austin. We're not trying to be Texas's team. We can leave that to somebody else. Frankly, we don't care. We want to be Austin's team. And, you know, I remember getting a lot of, whether it's like, you know, merch companies that want to create our merch or companies that pitch us on different things, whatever. And they'd always put an outline of the Texas state next to our crest. And we said, no, like, that's not what this is about at all. And in a lot of ways, like Austin is some, in some ways, the anti-Texas is probably unfair to say, but you know, there's um, a saying here that Austin is the blueberry and the tomato soup of of Texas, and it's very true. And I think it's something that Austinites are really prideful of, right? If you ask an Austinite, you know, where are you from, they're going to tell you Austin before they tell you Texas, uh, and it's a huge distinction. And it's something that we were really conscientious of focusing focusing on. We we're ultimately building the brand uh, for the club, and I think on the supporter side, you guys probably felt the same way. Now, 
we're more than happy to beat those other Texas teams and raise the Copa Tejas trophy, which is the trophy that all the Texas teams compete for, which we won last year. But again, we're focused on Austin and being the best community for this city. Um, and it's almost like we more happen to, to be in Texas, right? Rico, Christine, would you agree with that? And to what extent, maybe you never thought about it before because, you know, you just pull the shirt on, but um, to what extent does that resonate what James is talking about? Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I grew up, you know, in San Antonio, like idolizing the Spurs and things like that. So like to me, like that is near to me than like the Longhorns or like the actual like logo of Texas. And so like us being uh, like more Austin in Texas, I think resonates in like so many levels from like, how we uplift each other to the things we stand behind that's like impacting our community in like so many ways that some teams don't think about or like there's not like near and dear to them. So I think us just like having something that like James says, like let us like identify as like, no, this is us and this yeah. is like truly only us and like everybody else respectfully. Um, but this is us and this is who we are. Uh, I li I've lived in Houston. I've lived in Dallas, thankfully short, uh, short lived. Um, but Austin is just so Austin and um, I could never imagine living here. It's just such a unique uh, uh, community. So there's a real sense of individuality, of uniqueness, of wanting to stand out. But Austin is still, Austin FC is still part of this overall movement that is the MLS, right? You know, a young league, a growing league. You see audience figures every year being broken, whether it's in stadium or on TV. How rosy do you think the picture is, James, I guess, to, to you first up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the sky is the limit for this league. Um, it's an exciting thing to be part of MLS in this sort of portion of its life cycle. And from a, you know, I'm brand and marketing lead, so I think about that stuff pretty consistently. And I don't think the league's ever been stronger than it is at this point in those ways. And in a lot of ways, I think the uh, the Apple broadcast partnership that's been started is going to be a sea change moment for the league. We're already seeing that because they, in a lot of ways, I think Apple is the one that truly understands what MLS brings to the table, which is this sort of community aspect, this sort of different thing that is, uh, you know, unique to other sports in the States in a, in a major way. And I think they're also going to bring the production value and, you know, the sort of packaging that the league deserves, which it hadn't really gotten before because it was, you know, trying to compete in the same bracket as NFL and MLB and NHL. And, and we've got a partner in Apple that understands that MLS is a different animal altogether. Um, so I think that's hugely, hugely helpful. Obviously, we've got, you know, the World Cup on the horizon. Um, and I don't think that's going to be as necessarily a, a moonshot for the sport here, because I think the sport's growing irrespective of that. And that's what makes being part of sort of global football within the States so interesting is because there is a sort of constant sort of chugging forward that you're seeing. And it's happening with a lot of these new marketplaces where they're getting to be able to grow and launch brands built for this day and age. And, you know, just like in England, just like in the UK, football brands are typically legacy brands. And that can be a benefit. It can also be uh, a curse, right? Because they can get locked in to a certain way of doing things here in the States with new clubs that are starting that are maybe a year old or two years old or three years old, they can create a brand and a community that's very much oriented around now, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what you've seen with Austin FC. So I'm extremely bullish on the future of the sport in this country. And in a lot of ways, the, the threshold that we need to cross now is stop talking about when is the growth going to come? What does the future look like? And start to celebrate the culture that exists today. You know, I think Anybody that walks into Q2 Stadium and experiences an Austin FC match with people like Rico and Christine in the stands, it, it holds a candle to any experience you're going you're gonna to see in the world. Germany, the UK, Brazil, Argentina. And the coolest thing is we have our own flavor of football. We have a flavor in Austin that is unique. And at the end of the day, that's what makes football exciting. Because Bundesliga is different than the Premier League, La Liga is different than Bundesliga, and MLS is different than La Liga and all the rest of them. And we get to provide our own sort of spin. And as long as it's authentic and true to the communities that we're trying to represent, I think you create something that everybody has to look around and and respect and say, okay, you know, hat tip to them because they're doing things their own way and it's resonating. Because you can never argue with a full stadium of people that are going crazy for their team. You, you've got to respect that at its base, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think even like on the supporter side, like speaking for those vetidists, I think what we try to do is like think of ways of like how to improve like the supporter culture or how to think yeah. things differently. Like what is our impact? How do we want to like push the envelope of what we're doing? We already have like other professional teams that reach out to us on the supporter side. And like, what the hell are y'all doing? Like, how can we put that in our stands with our fans to get them as wild? Or even thinking of ways of how we like travel as fans. Like, we're not allowed instruments. Okay, we're going to bring kazoos or <laughs> we're going to bring bam bam sticks, right? We're going to push the envelope of ways. I'm like, okay, we're going to find a way around it to show you, like, damn, they don't F around, but we're also going to do it respectfully. We're going to pick up our trash when we go to your stadiums. Yep. We're going to thank you for having us. Like, um, things like that. And so we're again, continuing to be inclusive, but also showing that like, we're not, we're not going to mess around and we're going to push the envelope into what James said. We're going to bring our own little spice to it. So when they ask you that question, what's the, uh, you know, how do you create this atmosphere? What's the answer to that? Because it's amazing if it's true that in four years you're creating an atmosphere that, you know, holds a candle, James, as you said, to these teams who have been playing for a hundred, 150 years, that's an incredible achievement. Does it happen organically? Was it just right place, right time? Or is there a lot of hard work going on in the background between club and fan base to ensure that there is this special atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, like the organic piece, like definitely for sure, but like hard work, right? We're still trying to push envelope. We're still trying to think of new ways to bring new ideas and different things that we can do, not only within the stadium and on the pitch, but like off the pitch, right? In, In order for us to continue to like show the growth of the voice of Austin FC and then our supporter culture from Austin Anthem to Los Verdes to La Murga to Fighting Leslie to anyone and anyone that's, you know, supporting the club. Um, we're all trying to think of ways to continue to to improve and to, to do something different. How closely do you work with the club? A question to you, Rico, but then also to Christine. Like, is it, you know, daily, weekly, annual dialogue that you're having? Yeah, no, I th- we talk to these guys often, like James, me and James, we have each other's numbers. Like if something happens, like we text each other, if we, something we're upset with that we don't align with the club, he knows he'll get a text from us or something like that. So I think it's that great partnership of this, like, yo, we're okay. Like, yes, like they run a business, but they know like, oh, like Los Vedas and Anthem, they'll come for us or not, not anything like that. But like, we have a great dialogue, I think, especially when if we, if we don't align, we're going to talk about it. When we do align, we're going to talk about it. And I think that's the great thing about like the partnership that we have together. Yeah, I think it's really important that we're kind of uh, on the same page about a lot of stuff. Um, They could obviously, you know, think differently, but I think just making sure when we come together and we're 
all aligned. Uh, I think that's what's going to give the best game day experience. Yeah, I think from day one, from the club side, we try to recognize, you know, that in a lot of ways, what people like Rico and Christine can bring to the table via the supporter groups are what's going to be what distinguishes us, not only in MLS, but in the sort of global football realm, right? And so I, I think we were hell-bent on making sure that supporters were part of the process. And I say this a lot, like, I think in a lot of ways, like, our supporters groups are helpful in being a sort of conscience outside of the club, right? Rico would tell me, Christine too, like, when we mess something up, and we're not perfect, right? Like, we've messed up, uh, up in the past, and, and they've let us know, like, sometimes pretty fervently. That's all right. <laughs> um, and it's good. There should be a, a back and forth, right? Like, listen, at the end of the day, the club exists to create community for fans. Yeah. And if we're not going to create a culture where we don't listen to our most hardcore fans, what are we doing? Like, what, what, what kind of, I mean, not that we really think of ourselves as a traditional business, but like what kind of community entity doesn't listen to its constituency? Um, I mean, a lot of ones don't, and that's why they're bad. But, you know, like <laughs> we try and create a situation where there's constant dialogue. And that also doesn't mean always agreeing. I mean, there's been points in the past where we just say, listen, like we're not able to come together on this one, but it doesn't put us in a position where the entire relationship is sour because we know there's respect there. Yeah. Right. And that each entity values the other side. And we all know that we're just kind of trying to do our best. We're ultimately all of us around the table. We're trying to create something that's unique for Austin, that celebrates this community, that gives everybody on a Saturday, you know, from February, hopefully through to, to November, an opportunity to hang out with 20,000, 21,000 other people that feel the same way and want to get together for 90 minutes and root for their team and root for Austin. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's that's the goal. So if every decision we're making is viewed through that lens, we can do a lot together. You must also be very conscious, James, that a club, and this isn't unique to Austin or the MLS, this I think is universal in the world of football, a club is often viewed through the lens of their fans, or yeah. rather, you know, fans represent that club. And so while it may be that, um, you know, that, shirt is particularly green and Driussi is a particularly good player and uh, you know hopefully we're playing in the playoffs in in November it may also be that actually um, in the outside world when the first glimpse they get and their strongest perception of who Austin FC is is via the fans 100% and I, I go back to the the fact of Listen, we're going to differentiate ourselves on the pitch, obviously, by trying to win games and bringing in dynamic players but that's one portion of the equation the other portion of the equation is the community and the culture that exists in the fans. And from day one on the Austin FC side, we're very conscientious to make sure that fans were part of what we broadcast to the world, right? If you look at our social channels, if you look at the broadcasts we had, we spent a lot of time making sure that fans and particularly supporters were at the front of that. One, because we want to champion the stuff that they're doing and, and help everybody understand that they're a valued piece of the pie, just a lot, you know, just as valued as what's happening on the pitch. Mm -hmm. But also, like, that's how we differentiate ourselves. That's one of the most extraordinary things about MLS culture is when you go into these really strong markets, the fan culture is unlike any other. It's unique. It's diverse. It's authentic. And, and I think a lot of ways, you know, we get to have conversations uh, with the likes of y'all because of this fan culture. 
right? So it's clearly proving out in terms of moving the needle and getting people to think about global football in the States in a different way. Because again, you cannot deny fandom. When you have a full stadium and everyone's on the same page and going nuts for their team, at the end of the day, that's what football is all about, mm-hmm. right? And that's uh, just can't be debated. It's a message I've heard a few times, um, and it's it's self evident if you look at the fans in, in the stadium. So, you know, I do doff my cap to uh, the MLS as a whole and to Austin FC because I think it's an amazing achievement in in a short period of time. Now we're talking about why Austin FC is known and what it's known by, and I can't believe we've done you know nearly half an hour and we haven't yet mentioned uh, or barely mentioned Matthew McConaughey, and I I want to talk about him because he is also, I guess within the U.S. but certainly this side of the pond, probably the first thing that comes to mind when someone says yeah. the name Austin FC is the co-owner and uh, and minister of culture. How does having such a charismatic guy work? Um, what's his role? Well, I mean, he's been hugely impactful in the culture of this club. Um, and, you know, the first thing I always say to people is the the value that Matthew brought to this team. Um, it's actually felt a lot more behind the camera than it is in front. I, I think immediately because Matthew's a global star and everybody knows him, you know, I think there's maybe a little bit of cynicism to jump in and say, okay, it's kind of like a dog and pony show. And, yeah. you know, he's coming out here and some banging some bongos at the opening match. And, and that's really it. And I will tell you that nothing could be further from the truth. He takes this minister of culture role very seriously. And he's been so in tune with the type of community and culture that, that we create as a club and making sure that you know, it's representative of Austin because from day one, he was on the same page as the idea of, listen, it's, yeah, football is the vehicle to a larger goal, which is ultimately, and we've said it a couple of times, that opportunity to get everybody in an environment feeling and thinking the same way and rooting for the same entity. And again, that's something that's universal within sport, but that's what he was really focused on. And I, I can't underline enough. There's never been a meeting or a phone call or an opportunity that he didn't take to support Austin FC. And it's been hugely impactful. I mean, you guys have all, you know, hung out with them, spoke with them, you know, and I think you guys see that that, that passion he feels for Austin FC is authentic. It's not something where he's trying to sort of maximize his own personal brand or anything like that. It's, it's really authentic. And I think the proof is in the pudding in terms of the culture that's been created around the club, because in a lot of ways he is a sort of like cultural laureate of Austin and he's imbued that perspective um, in the club. Yeah. From impromptu zoom meetings to <laughs> showing up to practice, uh, Lamarga practice. Um, I mean, he's been, you know, a valuable asset to the club. He's focused and he's cued in. And I think for all of us, like on learnings that we can take from Matthew, it's the idea that when he's involved in a meeting, when he's involved in a session, 100% there uh, and 100% focused on this sort of long-term goal of, of being a flag bearer for Austin. So his commitment is clear. How about using him or how about the perception that Austin FC is Matthew McConaughey's club? I mean, is there a yeah. danger despite all his best intentions and the hard work he does behind the scenes that sort of... Everything you guys are doing, whether it's from the club's point of view or the supporters' point of view, you know, you're Matthew, you're Matthew McConaughey's team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's a consideration. And nobody is more cognizant of that than Matthew himself. 
you know, from day one, he was really conscientious about he does not want to become the de facto mascot of the club. Right. And it's proved out in the fact that, you know, we really only show Matthew on our channels um, really every once in a while. And it's a small fraction of the time that he's spending talking about, you know, jersey designs or, you know, brand directions or hanging out with the guys during training. Right. Um, there's a lot of times where he's popping in. We put the cameras away. We put the, you know, the media team away because we want to make sure that we're first and foremost focused on his position as an owner and sort of like a, a cultural stakeholder in the club. But it's a, it's a fair point. You know, it's, it's a, it's a two-sided thing in terms of how Matthew gets involved from a front-facing perspective and a visual perspective because he's very focused on the club being an asset for Austin and not an asset for Matthew McConaughey. I want to look forward just at the end of this podcast and I want to think about the ambitions for the club because you guys have clearly done an amazing job at capturing the attention and the love of the city of Austin and I think there's a lot of admiration within the US for that. How far can the club go? And and the reason I ask this question is I heard that there's this ambition for Austin FC to be everyone's second favorite team, whether that's um, you know in the US or whether that's you know even even abroad, perhaps uh, over in Europe. That's a lofty goal. Is that a so, you know is that a publicly stated goal? And do you think it's achievable? Well, I wouldn't. I mean, I think that's let's unpack that, right? I think there's an opportunity for this club to be representative of what makes Austin special. And I think there's a lot of people that come through Austin and, and pick up on the fact that this city's different. You, whether you're coming here for South by, or you go to ACL, you know, spending 48 hours in this town, it's hard to walk away and, and not one scheme about how you'll eventually move to Austin, but at a minimum say, damn, that was a really cool city and a, a city that I identify with. And if Austin FC can be part of what people take home with them, whether they're going back to Copenhagen or London or Seattle, you know, I think that's a huge opportunity in the world of global football today. A lot of people have multiple teams, you know, maybe you're an Arsenal fan um, on Saturday afternoons. <laughs> oof, oof. I'm sorry. Sorry, we get it. <laughs> Manchester United fans sitting next to me, <laughs> which is a great encapsulation, right? Like you can be a fan of multiple clubs and you get to have different relationships with, with different clubs. You know, this idea that everybody is solely sworn to one team or another, I think that's really ultimately in practicality. Um, not very true. It's a romantic way to think of global football, but it's not in practice a way that a lot of people engage in the sport. And, you know, again, with like the Apple broadcast deal and the opportunity for MLS to be truly global in a unique way, I think there's a great chance for us to start to cultivate fandom outside of Austin. We're always going to be focused on Austin. That is the key. But in a lot of ways, I think that's an opportunity for us to create authentic fans outside of this city because there's a lot of people that come through here and are enamored with Austin. Mm -hmm. And what better way to be able to connect with this city when you're not here than turning Austin FC on? And watching and watching these guys play and, and ultimately watching the culture that's in the stands. But I'm curious for you guys' yeah. perspective on this. Yeah. I think for us, you know, like when Elizabeth is like, we're already seeing the reach go outside of Austin where we have fans. Yeah. Like we have watch parties in Waco. We have shout out 
um, to Carlos in Arkansas. Um, shout out to our people in DC. We have to try to ship jerseys to Ireland. Like we're trying to think of ways to like get these fans that people that are like excited about us that are behind this club and behind this team um, and continue to keep them engaged and inspired and wanting to like be ready to come out and have a, a match with us. Or when we go to their city, they're excited to host us. Um, we're getting nods from people. We did this with the Houston recently and Houston fans were like, I'm from Argentina. What y'all bring is amazing. What y'all do is amazing. And just like tip their hat to us. And that's when we knew we're doing something right. And so like we're already someone's first, first team, not their second team in my eyes. Yeah. I'm going to echo Rico's sentiment. He basically um, hit the nail on the head. There's so many people uh, within both groups um, or all the supporters groups that basically travel from somewhere else. We've got uh, a dad with two twin kids that come down all the way from Dallas. Um, every They try to make every game. And it's um, amazing because you have a team 20 minutes away that you refuse to go watch because like you fell in love with Austin <laughs> with one trip here. Um, and it's just constantly creating um, this atmosphere where everyone just wants to come back. So you, you see the rivalry coming through, Alex. You, the guys can't go through uh, a 20-minute conversation without making a dig at Houston and Dallas. So I was going to bring the trophy. But was- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All those, all those horns and stars. Well, I think it's amazing the progress the club has made in the last four years. Um, I'm very excited to see what the next four and, uh, and beyond bring. But James, Rico, Christine, uh, we'd better leave it there. But thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. Can't wait to host you down here in Austin sometime soon. You got to be careful. I I take people up on those offers. So, uh, you know, I'll be in town. All right. Love it. Love it. Brilliant. Well, thank you all. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. Until next time, all the best. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football.